and it's not really that interesting. You probably don't want to put that part in there. When it I'm going to cut out. The, I'm going to cut out everything except you saying that's not interesting. So everybody would be like, oh, what was that? That must have been actually interesting. You should. Yeah, you should. Psychology trick. Hello and welcome to WNC Original Music Episode 121, The Cribbage Episode. This week, very happy to have the singer-songwriter True Vare on the podcast. True Vare originally started in Lynchburg, Virginia, before moving to Western North Carolina. He's played house shows and venues like Speaker Tree Records and the Lynch Stock Music Festival and the Wine and Garlic Festival. This week, we're going to have selections from his uh, released EP, St. Luna, and also his upcoming full-length album, Conventional Comfort. You can find his music at truevere.bandcamp.com, that's T-R-O-U-V-R-E.bandcamp.com, and also several other places. Uh, there will be links, of course, in the show notes. Had a really great time talking with Truvere, as you'll notice because there's uh, quite a bit of talking in this episode. We had a really good time talking about the songs and his songwriting and a lot of other stuff. Uh, so I was going to edit a lot of it out, but I just decided to leave it in because I, I just really liked it. Here is True Vare.
Yeah. So conventional comforts, um, it's kind of like a play on words and a play on like an idea of, you know, like um, pollution. And uh, I think we all try to like do our part preceding the writing of the song. I think I learned that like um, America doesn't do any of its recycling (laughs) and that we like, we ship it off to like East Asian companies and they've now since like boycotted us. So it's my understanding at least as as of now that like our recycling just goes into landfills mostly. Um, And so that was like pretty disheartening, you know, because it's like we have all these efforts to um, reduce their conveniences, right? Plastics convenient, whether it's recycled water that we put in plastic bottles that we supposedly recycle as opposed to like, you know, having to walk to a stream and filtering out the water and, you know, so, um, and so it's a, it's a play on that sort of concept of our, our, um, contribution to pollution, but then also like, um, it's a play on emotional and like relational conveniences, you know, um, that kind of like damage, relationships with friends and you know peripheral relationships so the the you know the name conventional comforts at least to me in the way i intended it it's kind of just tackling this concept that we have these systems set up whether it's relationships or just the the day-to-day you know like getting in a car and burning fossil fuels we have these systems come up that are they're conventional like everybody does them yeah. and it's and to live in the first world you i mean you really in general there's a lot of things we can't not do that right. um that are damaging um and additionally you know uh as as a human being trying to like navigate social hierarchies <clears throat> whether it's for a job or you know self-esteem or whatever it's the same thing it's um it's very conventional to kind of trample on people or disregard people or overlook, you know, being gentle or considerate. So it's kind of a look at, at both of those and how in a first world society, at least those conveniences are for our own comforts, but they're not necessarily even for our own survival or, or existence, but they're for our own co- comforts so much that we don't think about them too much. And this is a song that's, you know, deeper into my cat songs prior to this and that's where i felt comfortable um analyzing my own um like approach to songwriting as a generalization at least and i think i i think i like to like raise questions and mm. it could be in potentially like not a helpful way at all <laughs> i don't i don't necessarily bring up resolutions but at least for me in my experience you know um listening to music and then also writing it it forces me to kind of to meditate essentially hmm. and to to check my like intentions or like my lifestyle um and you know like two two songwriters that come to mind that have done that for me you know is robin of fleet foxes mm-hmm. um uh i don't know if you're familiar with the fleet foxes at all yeah a little bit yeah, yeah. um and you know he talks about like Essentially, essentially us being part of like a big machine. Um, and then also Father John Misty. Mm-hmm. I think they're both really, really good at like probing at, you know, at um, and investigating our own intentions. Yeah. And so I would say that's probably 
the vibe of, of conventional comforts for sure is, um, is just kind of like investigating, you know, the, the damage that we create, whether it's in relationships, human to human, or, you know, the greater, um, like effects that we create in our communities and in earth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to me. Um, I was, um, I think it was in the news a couple of weeks ago that, uh, Chevrolet or, or General Motors, uh, the new president of General Motors says we're going to be, um, I don't know if they said all electric. I think they said all electric uh, within 15 years. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm very skeptical of that. That's a lot to happen in 15 years. But also I was thinking that's going to be a huge change if General Motors, you know, the largest car company in America, um, makes that change. That's going to cause a lot of other change. And it's going to help some people but hurt some people. But also, it's um, it's a sign of how kind of uh, unilateral a lot of systems are. Like you're talking about, like there there's no competition in um, in travel. There's you know there's there's electric there's hybrids, Prius, and and you know some electric cars. But it's you know it's 95 percent gasoline. And uh, if you look at the the trucking fleet, that's diesel. You know that's all that's all diesel. There's no electric trucks or anything like that. You know, there might be five out of a billion, you know, but, um, but yeah, there's no, there's no easy to, to, for general motors to do that. They're going to have to change, not just what they do, but they'll have to change the system. They'll have to create a whole system around it just so they can make cars that are better for the earth. That's exactly it. You know, it's, it's a system and, um, like a lot of psychologists, I guess also point to this. It's like, no one wants to stick their neck out and no one wants to be the change. And the reality is, is that in general, most of us are capable. I don't know if we're in the situations and leadership to be, but we all have the capacity to do that in our own small world, you know, um, that, that we live in the circles that we navigate. Um, but you're exactly right. Let's, you know, 95% of the cars are gasoline and it's been that way. And now all of a sudden, you know, we've, we've, we've become um, used to that, right? Like mm-hmm. we, our whole culture is designed around that. And now to just, you know, switch to electric, that's going to, that's going to take, that's going to, you know, end a lot of jobs <clears throat> that people, you know, have been in for a while or, you know, we're anticipating to be in, in the, you know, in the future as they grow up. Um, and it's going to disrupt a lot of things, but, you know, it, that is that the thing we need to do? Yeah. yeah, that's that's an excellent point. Um, I mean, it has to be done. Something like that has to be done. But um, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and something interesting too, man. Um, in my song, in the goodness, I think it's the first verse, right? I talk about you know like um, wind turbines, uh-huh. you know, and like it's it kill it kills flocks of birds. Like it, it I sing about you know like it killing killing birds you know and so it's like we're trying to be more green with like wind turbines but still we can't avoid uh you know damaging um the earth around us and i laugh but it's i don't mean you know i laugh out of just yeah it's it's humorous i guess but it's it's you know it's serious too that's the that's the nature of of man almost that whatever we do first of all we can't we can't pull back we're never going to pull back on anything we're just going to say can we do this the best we can do is say can we do this differently and hurt a different species or, you know, uh, maybe we destroy this part of land instead of the ocean for a while or something like that, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, and we fool ourselves to think that, that we're like on top, Yeah. you know, because we're so interconnected. It's almost like, you know, 
go with me on this. Mm-hmm. But it's almost <laughs> like a like a like a cheerleading. What do you call it? Cheerleading tower or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, a pyram- like, a human pyramid. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the person on top, the lightest, they're, they're, they're most glamorous, you know. But uh-huh. it, like, it literally takes every single person, you know, in the tower right. to do their best. You know, if one person's weak and they tumble, like the whole thing's going down. And it's it's that it's that way with our food systems and with our circle of life. You know, if we don't respect and care about, look for, you know, support these, you know, more humble beings. Um, you want to consider them, it's going to eventually, it's all going to start coming down. I see the city skyline burning bright from the window of the hall where you breathe life. Your mother and I were expecting a little less
So Truvere started in Lynchburg, Virginia, where I went to school and um, played played around like the local circuit there with some friends and had a, a lot of fun and really started writing music for a band. Prior to that, I was in a different folk band um, and it was very much like guitar driven. Mm-hmm. Guitar starts, the song starts, guitar does not stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they keep, you know, and, and, and instruments join in and out uh, to add layers but the guitar does not stop so it's definitely that guitar driven songwriter style that's what was before true bear that mm. was you know my ability um but when when i started true bear i really started playing with players that stretched me and grew me but i really trust them and they helped develop the sound that is true bear mm. um and we all kind of went our separate ways you know we were in college so some people have to grow up I guess I'm still prolonging that uh-huh. <laughs> trying to songwrite. No. Um, but uh, yeah. So I, the reason why I moved to Western Carolina and uh, my wife, she's from here. Uh-huh. And um, I think we were ultimately going to make it our way to North Carolina to, I live near Morganton. So, um, but we were, we were pregnant um, 
and we weren't really like planning on it, but you know, uh, we were rolling with it and we just found it would be better to like live near family. I was like hustling, uh, you know, songwriting and playing gigs, but also like working three other jobs and mm. it was just like rough in Lynchburg. So we thought, you know, Hey, maybe we could have some family to help out, uh, watching, you know, our child, uh, and her name is Luna. Um, and at that point when I moved to Morganson, I was just kind of like, you know, you know, I need to grow up like songwriting, eh, you know, it's, it's not like, it's a gamble. Mm. So I really was considering just putting it down and, and to really stop trying to like pursue music as a creative, um, outlet. And so a month and a half into (laughs) moving here and, uh, some terrible happens. It's called help syndrome, but my wife basically almost died. Her body was reacting to the placenta and all the hospital. They're like, all right, like you have 20, 48 hours based upon step like tests, and steroids and, and all they needed to give our daughter Luna steroids because she was so premature. They were trying to develop her lungs, mm-hmm. so on and so forth, a bunch of science, but, uh, they were like, yeah, you have 48 hours, uh, to like give birth, <laughs> to give birth or, you know, have a C-section. So mm-hmm. we went through all that and, um, our daughter came out crying and fighting, but her heart just wasn't strong enough. And she ended up passing away mm-hmm. after 23 hours. Um, and so that that was in, that was actually on September 11th she was born of all days and September 12th she passed away, um, and that like really really shook us for sure, um, you know. And I, but I was cold. I was cold. I didn't. I was angry. I you know I didn't understand like we had relocated our whole entire life so that we could be the best parents we could be for her and just like a lot of stuff it just did not make sense you know felt just cruel (laughs) um so uh you know that was september and i just i was cold as i said and you know my my wife santara she i just remember her you know i'd wake up in the middle of night and she's just bawling you know there's nothing worse than trying to comfort a a mourning mother (laughs) um and i and i hope that no one has to, to deal with that um I say that it's, it was also awful being a morning father. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I, I remember for months, you know, and, and I remember when, several times she'd be like, you know, you don't say anything and you don't cry. And, and uh, I realized that like, that's just how I handle emotion. Yeah. Um, but it was several months later, I was in my back room, you know, where I am talking to you now. It's my little songwriting uh, room. And I just started writing eyes is split up into three different parts. And I started writing the first section, which is basically like my perspective of her biography of of my daughter, Luna's biography. And like, I just was crying like the, like I was writing it and the, the, you know, I was just like tears were just dripping all over the paper. And that was the first time I had broken down and accepted what happened mm-hmm. and just, just was with my emotions, you know, and that was me writing down my, my daughter's biography. And it was in that moment that I realized that, you know, whether songwriting is financially viable, 
you know, whether it makes sense to spend hours and, and energy writing music. Um, it's what I need. It's, it's my medicine. That's how I connect. That's how I, it's my outlet, you know? And, um, I shared it with some, some coworkers at school <laughs> and, and me and my dumb self, like, you know, they, they start, you know, trying not to cry in front of me, but, yeah. uh, you know, I'd put them probably in a very awkward situation, but they knew the story I, of it and everything, what it was about. Yeah. I mean, of course yeah. I, I ended up, we ended up staying at the hospital for a week after, uh, our daughter was born just for my wife to recover. Cause mm-hmm. my wife was like going to have seizures and die. Like, oh, yeah. you know, that's why she was about to die too. So that's why everything had to happen. Um, so, uh, yeah, they knew my point is they knew cause I was out for a right. week and yeah. they, so they were made aware. Um, so this is months later, I showed it to them and, um, I began to realize that my story is not, it's, it's, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm unique, but my situation is not entirely unique. Right. There are, it reflects so many other people's relationships and experiences. Um, whether it's losing a daughter, which a lot of people do and it's, you know, horrible or a son, you know, a child, or whether it's just losing someone you love or it's just the experience of loss. Yeah. People can connect with, you know, our daughter's story. Um, And for me, that's like very empowering Mm -hmm. because, you know, I wrote the song. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you've seen this in your parents or in other parents. It's like, they wanted, you know, most generally speaking, they want to do, the most they can for their child, you know? Yeah. And so it's like when you, uh, you know, exceed the, the life of your child, it's like, I, like, I can't do anything for them. And so for me, this was like the only thing I could do was to write her biography and to do my best for it. So kind of memorializer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of going all over the place, but I guess, you know, my point is, is that, people can relate with her memorial and that's very special because it kind of like gives her life meaning, yeah. you know, and it gives her 23 hours of life on this earth. And then the months, you know, in with, with us, um, meaning and purpose. Um, and so that was, you know, I had written the first part to memorialize her but as I thought about it more, it's like, if you look at the grieving process, I was just like very angry mm-hmm. about it all at that point. So I, I started writing a second portion and I thought that was the outro, which is where it, it there's this big build and then it, it fades and then it comes in and it's just basically guitar and voice. Um, and the, the guitar is essentially doubling my vocal part. And it's not, it's not really in time. It's um, not in any specific time signature. Mm-hmm. And honestly, an influence of that um, is kind of like, you know, like Indian, um, you know, like yeah. Indian music and like with the sitar and how um, it, it can match um, vocal, like melismas and all. And uh, so that's what kind of inspired that, that sort of, um, that sort of delivery of 
where I'm saying I can't think about her, I can't think about it. Um, and that's essentially like where it's like I am now facing this thing that I was avoiding. You know, I'm I was like, I'm not gonna cry. I just didn't think about it, I just like stored it away. And so then it's like I am not I like I'm like, I'm not going to empower myself and 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 look at the situation. And and uh yeah, so that's the second part. And then <laughs> and then I was like, you know, I'm still freaking mad, uh-huh. you know. So so then I wrote the third, the third section of of eyes which is it's in seven four um and I, I chose that time signature because it feels almost like a hamster wheel like mm-hmm. you know when you get to the seventh beat it's like all right and we're back to one and yeah, it's just yeah. feels like it's, it's like a record skipping yeah. you know it's like it's on repeat um and it starts off with me just yelling angrily and then um my friend jack he lives up in brooklyn he plays slide on that tune as well as the, the, the pedal steel. And he just came in with this beautiful guitar slide guitar mini. Just, so I guess actually to, to wrap all of that up, I'm um, sorry. <laughs> uh, after that, that eyes mm-hmm. has now set up the next, you know, 10 songs and they're going to, you know, come out and some more to come. Because I realized that, you know, it's, I'm not doing this. I'm going to do this, you know, if I don't make any money, I I need this. And I know it helps people. And um, to me, that's more powerful than any sort of paycheck you could give me, you know? Um, And that's, that's where I stand now. I love paychecks though. (laughs) I do. (laughs) And, and, and the bigger the paycheck I get with, you know, with songwriting, the more time I can spend doing it. So there there is that aspect, but, but, um, that's kind of what started the, the rejuvenation of true air. Do you know any other songs that are seven, four? I can think of two. What are they? Uh, one is, uh, all you need is love by the Beatles. Oh, that, uh, yes. Love, love, love. love, 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 love. That, uh, little brass part always kind of, I always wonder if they put that there just to make sure they start singing right away. And then, um, uh, it's a Peter Gabriel song. Uh, like, yeah, he's a trained musician. Yeah. Um, what is it? Uh, Hey, this is pack your things. I've come to take you. Uh, Salisbury Hill. Salisbury. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to it. Next time you'll be counting when you hear it. I will. I will. Yeah. Seven. Okay. I love that. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, bro. More from True Vera in just a few moments, and maybe we'll talk a little more about time signatures. We might even throw in key signatures. You never know. Just want to remind you, you can find his music at truevera.bandcamp.com. Uh, keep an eye out for his upcoming release, as uh, well as going back and listening to his previous EP and also some singles he has out. Uh, some of those singles will appear on the upcoming album. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Wherever you're listening to this podcast right now is a good place to subscribe to the podcast, probably. Also, follow on Facebook and Instagram and any other social media uh, entity you can think of. I got a message from someone this week that said they like to listen to their podcast on one and a half speed, but it threw them off because the music, of course, was one and a half speed. So they wanted to know if we could do the interviews at one and a half speed and then have the music at the regular speed. And the answer to that is no. Hey, this is Koya, and you're listening to WNC Original Music.
That's a fun song. Um, each verse kind of takes a different perspective of leaving in the sense of not like just leaving, you know, obviously someone's house, but mm-hmm. leaving somewhere where you're established and you have meaningful relationships um, and a lifestyle and a life there. So um, the first verse is kind of like, the you know, as a narrator, watching everyone else leave. And in, at least in my experience, I don't know about you, um, a lot of people like, you know, they're happy for someone who leaves for mm-hmm. good reasons, but it's also like not entirely taken well. Like there's definitely jealousy that has to be sorted out. Yeah. Like, you know, like, Oh, good for you. Like, wow. You found a place better than here and right. us, you know? Yeah. And, um, an abandonment feeling too. And exactly. Yeah. Abandonment. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so the, the first, you know, versus kind of like watching everyone else leave, like, you know, cool. They're all doing things. Right, right. <laughs> um, and I'm not. Uh, so that's the first perspective from the verse. First verse. Second verse is then all of a sudden the narrator is in a situation where they have an opportunity to leave and they take it, you know, and obviously has my own personal experiences in there. That's also on a personal end from me moving to, from Virginia, moving here to my, my home and establishment now. It's not really that interesting. You probably don't want to put that part in there. When it comes to the the songwriting, it's I'm going to cut leaving. out. I'm going to cut out everything except you saying that's not interesting. So everybody would be like, "Oh, what was that? That must have been actually interesting." Yeah, you should. You should. Yeah. Uh, Psychology trick. Yeah. 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 I guess what I could say about it too is from the production side, I had met up with Peter Brownlee, and he was he was in uh, in Asheville. Um, he settled there with Midnight Snack. And he's done a lot of, uh, he's done all of my new um, tunes that are going to be coming out on the record, single by single. And um, he did such a good job of helping me capture nostalgia um, in this in this tune. Um, you know, it, it has like some sort of lo-fi ambience to it, mm-hmm. but then it also has a lot of like, you know, vocal harmony support. Um, it has a good rhythm. That's one thing I liked about it is it has that, that ambiance and also, um, like a, a, a rhythm, a, a beat to it. You know, not like a dance beat, but it has a, a, a little bit of a drive to it. Yeah. Um, it kind of yeah. relaxes you, but keeps your attention at the same time. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, my friend Riley Ball, he lives actually in Wilmington now. He, he tracked the drums and I, I remember writing this um, with him and my other friend, my, Jay. Um, those are the OG members of, of True Bear. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, I mean, I just, you're, you're right. There is a propelling rhythm to it. Um, but it's, it's chill, you know, it's not like, Mm -hmm. um, it's not thrashing. I I wonder if subconsciously the, the propelling rhythm is like feeling of movement and leaving. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I wish I was that like, you know, intentionally intelligent, but the drumming reminded me of one time a, a drummer told me about like how he decides a way he gets a certain sound, uh, kind of an emotional sound was that, you know, when he's playing kind of hard, he'll, he'll hit the sticks to the drum. But then when he's playing a soft song, he'll hold the stick above the drum and then let it fall to the drum. And that's what it felt like listening to the drums on this. I know I'm obsessed with the drums, but where it like, if you imagine someone holding a stick over the drum and then on every, you know, two and four, just, letting the stick fall to the fall to the drum instead of hitting the drum with the stick. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, Riley, he studied um, some jazz mm. drumming in, in college and man, he just in general, uh, anyone who's spent a lot of time, I think studying jazz percussion, they know how to make one drum sounds yeah. a million different ways. Like yeah. they're very in touch with making their instrument talk in various various ways and riley does such a fantastic job of playing with the touch you know dynamically um and they call him you know talking about like drum technique his ability just to like create ghost notes i mm-hmm. love it it's just he's so easy to play with man yeah. it's uh it's always a pleasure for sure um yeah so that was a lot of fun playing leaving and you know I guess going off of that, that started off in this back room here with me uh, recording the guitar parts, um, like on the, like some danky little 57. Mm-hmm. I had like this old Focusrite like preamp going into my, my iMac. Um, <laughs> and I think I had like uh, like a 20 key, uh, like the Akai oh, yeah. MIDI keyboards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember showing Riley, like I tried to like do some, some pads in some, in, uh, I think there were free, you know, like, um, free, you know, uh, plugins, right. like pad sounds on garage bands of just like weird, uh, pads, like ambient that aren't doing anything. He's like, yeah, man, it's like pretty cool, but you probably should, you know, like might need more movement. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized I'm like, yeah, I can't produce, produce, produce this by myself. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so that's when I kind of, you know, I started playing around a little bit and got connected with Pete and that's when I really started, um, making this, this record with him. Um, but through all of that, that really strange intro mm-hmm. there, it's really washy and, yeah. you know, I thought, yeah, that's the one thing I probably hated. Pete's like, no, that's cool. Oh, like yeah. we're keeping yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the one thing that made it. Say what you want, say what you need 
inspiration that came from that um i was i was working a lot and not making a lot <laughs> um but and you know it just felt like it was never enough and so it just felt like everyone was wanting more um first verse yeah. talks about 
some some someone in a relationship wanting more than like everyone wanting more and then it ends up where like I want more of myself. <laughs> it's just yeah. kind of like this realization like yeah, I should do better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's not happening. So <laughs> yeah, and the vibe of it's, you know, it's kind of laid back, but it, the chorus hits harder. It's rockier. It's just be a bit of anger and frustration. I like the the kind of guitar wash, you know, the way the the way the guitar just kind of builds up. It's kind of a solo, but just kind of a I don't even know if you consider it a solo, just where the, the guitar's kind of taken off on its own. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the solo section at the end? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, so cool. I probably, I'll say it. It's, <laughs> I'll, I'll let everyone know. All right. So the, the original arrangement that, of that song that I would play live, this was, a, you know, fortunately a song, or unfortunately, I don't know. It was a song that I had written and we played out live at, various breweries, you know, or, um, venues, house shows. We played a lot before we went into the studio to record it. And so the way the song ends on the last chorus, it goes back into like a bridge section Mm -hmm. where the solo is. And then it ends like on the reintro where we had it before was a completely different order. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we didn't realize that the song would lose such momentum at the end yeah. Um, until it was recorded, you know, and, um, and we sat down and, and tried to do various things like, you know, add more instruments in different sections to keep them, the momentum up. And then we realized it was just hol- holistically the arrangement. So Pete, Peter Brownlee, who mixed this tune, most of the others, we ended up just, he just ended up just cutting out a section and copying and pasting mm-hmm. the rhythm section to the area. And we just uh, worked with it. So that, that's a funny story about, about that solo section. My, my friend, Jack McLaughlin up in Brooklyn, he's, Sorry. Yeah, he's, Sorry, you know, you're, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh he's super instrumental and uh, he, he wrote that solo and oh. uh, he's, he's become very instrumental in the production of my tunes. Um, How are you recording? Are you recording most of this uh, one instrument at a time? Are you doing, you know, like you do a demo and then you, then you start over or you do like your version and then you layer in? How, how are you? Yes. Doing? So that it's changed. Um, I originally it would be, you know, like bass and drums. Mm-hmm. So for leaving eyes more, and zebra pants, which I haven't sent you. So, um, well, I can't wait to hear that one. <laughs> th- those were all recorded drums, and we kept with drums, bass, and a rhythm guitar together. Mm-hmm. So the rhythm section, and then we would layer, we would overdub parts on that. And so, what ended up happening is I would send the rhythm section parts and my rhythm parts, and I wrote most of the the lead lines, and I played most of the guitars, but I would send. Um, what what we had to Jack up in Brooklyn mm-hmm. via you know Dropbox, and then he would record in his home studio and, and send it back. Um, and the power I found in that man is you know one thing I really enjoy about collaboration is making the song bigger than myself and my imagination. Yeah. Like you know th- that moment I feel like this performance, this arrangement has reached the limitations of my imagination. Mm-hmm. And it's not there yet. I love 
passing that off and seeing someone else's perspective of it yeah. and they and they bring something different and it's amazing it's great it's like oh i would have never thought that you know that and that's just something in general with music that's i love playing with other individuals just because they bring a whole new perspective okay i want to thank true vera for being on the podcast had a really good time talking to him that's just uh part one we'll have two parts which should be coming out in a few weeks second part should be coming out in a few weeks Make sure to look for his uh, recent releases on all the streaming services, especially his EP Saint Luna, and his full album should be coming out in the next several weeks. Again, check the show notes for links to Trevere's music and also to his uh, social media where you can find out information about his upcoming releases and also any live performances. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, WNC Original Music, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, wherever you're listening now is a good place to start, or you can visit wncoriginalmusic.com. For the closing song this week, I should have a track from a friend of True Vare's. Uh, this is a band called Ferdy Maine. You can read the entire bio in the show notes, but one thing that struck me is it uh, this band has had 30 members since its inception, which I think is pretty impressive. You can also find links to their music in the show notes, uh, especially their website, which is theferdymain.com. They are from Brooklyn, New York, my hometown. Here is Ferdy Main. Have a good week.
she did try to kill me first and then she realized that she could be, make more money if she just played music with me and so now we're a team. <laughs>